Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Better call! What's up, everybody? Welcome. If you're watching this on YouTube, great. Hit that like button. Subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to the podcast, that's great, too. Thank you. Five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Ask a question. That's how you get in the mailbag. When I turned off uh, Game 4, guy, at about 5 nothing in the sixth inning, had no clues, a no-hitter. Woke up to that one. Uh, one of those team no-hitters. Like, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't quite hit as, as hard as our youth. Does not. A team no-hitter does. I well, Cool. I mean, it's great. <laughs> It's more of a bad stat for the offense than a good stat. Totally agree. All right. We are, uh, this is Thursday. And today on the show, John, we have Dante Whitner, who was on the show once last year and was phenomenal. He is fantastic. And uh, we're fired up to have him on the show today. Three guys you just fucking would not want to see cross in the middle if you're an mm-hmm. offensive player. Haberman, Middlecoff, mm-hmm. Whitner. Preach. <laughs> Maybe put Dante first, but preach. Yeah. Could he tackle us both at the same time right now? Without question. Yeah. Without question. Uh, we are sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka. The weekend is upon us. It's a bye week for the 49ers, but there's a lot of football to watch this week, a lot of football to consume, a lot of fun to be had, John. Do it and do it responsibly with our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Have you seen the cocktail that's making the rounds on social media, guy? You is threw it, it out there. Yeah. And it is taking the world by storm. It is the drink of choice by the CEO, by the founder, by the president, by the, the main take. man that created the company, Tito Beverage. <laughs> Explain that. What is it exactly? Tito's and water. With, Tito's uh, and water. I thought lime. Somebody said it's lemon. I could check it real quick, but that's it. Tito's water. I, so, some people, they do ask you when you get a Tito soda, lemon or lime. Like you can go with either, you know, whichever one you prefer. Uh, the Tito original is lemon. It's his drink, yeah. His drink, it's lemon. Tito's and water and lemon. I usually just naturally, I guess it's a habit to say lime, but if you put a lemon, would I really notice in my Tito's and soda? So go with the lemon. Lemon. And send us, we were getting pictures. Some guy told just uh, tweeted at us, said he's had <laughs> at least nine, but he's it's having well. 16 ounces of water with each one. And he's like reached the perfect equilibrium. He said he's doing he's he's not feeling any after he's feeling great. He's in Vegas, so he's not getting you know just walking around, so being safe. So he's basically having like one of those tall, skinny, smart waters with Tito's and yeah. uh, and a little lime. It is a his pH levels are absolutely dialed. Hashtag hydration. So uh, I mean, if, if you just want to drink like one of the greats, uh, Tito's water, water, right, and a lime. Not exactly sure the ratio, but. You know, depends how much you can handle. Whatever's good for you. You know, it's very easy. Very easy. Uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Namely, 80 proof. Crafted. Be savored responsibly. As always, send us photos of you enjoying. And uh, DM it to us on IG. Tag us. Uh, definitely DM if you're going to tag. We like saving the photo. We put them all in a in a big uh, big uh, trifold poster. And we take it to the uh, Tito's uh, podcast convention. And we show it off. And everyone's very happy. Yeah. So. Or those things called like the presentation boards. So, yeah. Uh, today on the show, John, fellow bald brotherhood uh, member with you, yeah. Dante Whitner, fellow tough guy, yeah, fellow tough guy, football lover. Uh, we start by talking a lot about the Niners. He's got some great takes on the NFL, and uh, then because he's a big Ohio State guy, we get a little into Harbaugh and Ohio State, and Michigan, and that was fun too. But ton of Niner takes. Uh, and as always, fantastic insight from Dante on the show today. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, one of the great tackles in the history of the franchise. And just if anyone, you know, I'd say over 20-ish years old that lived those Niner teams, I mean, wasn't, you know, Willis, even he said, was the best player on the team. Bowman, I think, kind of became that too a little bit. 
Whitner was right up there being the heart and soul of Jesus. Just a, before I even knew the guy or ever yeah. thought that I'd be able to talk to him, I just remember watching him be like, this is why I love football, this yeah. type of player. Yeah. Pierre Thomas, is that the player you're talking about? Oh, my God. Fucking killed him. You know what's funny? You and I, I mean, watched his body guy. <laughs> you and I is like that, a is that a penalty ago. now? Regardless of the hit, you can't stand over him, right? Like, it's got to be right. <laughs> yeah. You and I like a month or two ago, Dante. I saw Dante doing a San Jose State game, and I mentioned to you on the podcast that during the TV broadcast on CBS Sports Network that he did, he said that somebody came up to him and talked about the Pierre Thomas play while he was at the stadium. Well, I mentioned that story when you and I did the show, whatever, a month ago. I forgot this part. Somebody DM me and said, I was the guy. I was the, I listened to your podcast. I was the guy that walked up to Dante and said, Pierre Thomas. So uh, we didn't talk to Dante about that, but um, everyone remembers that play. Just, All right. He's the type of player that encapsulates what Harbaugh, that era meant to just the fan base. People say, I miss what football used to be. They're talking about Dante Woodner. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Here's Dante Woodner. John back by popular demand. Second season in a row. We had him on last year. Everyone loved it. It's great to have Dante Whitner back with us on the show. Uh, number eight pick back in 06. We love talking Ohio State with him. Uh, star safety for the Niners, three-time Pro Bowler, NBC Sports Bay Area, CBS Sports Network. And um, on a bye. I don't, what, what do you have planned for the Niners' bye, Dante? Uh, I really don't have anything planned because I have a quick turnaround with a college game on Wednesday in Bowling Green. Bowling Green, Kent State with CBS, so... I'd rather use that time to prepare and get ready for that game. You know, I use all of these games and plan, prepare, like I'm calling a Super Bowl. So, you know, the opportunity is awesome. So, yeah, hopefully it's a packed stadium. You know, usually, you know, during this time of year, if you don't have teams that are in contention for a MAC championship, then it probably won't be, but it'll be a lot of fun. You know, I'm sure you saw that uh, that viral video I mean, we all saw it live, but it happened so fast to Fred Warner, that hit that he had in the Rams game. Did you see that? I did. I saw it live. I called it, spoke about it after the game. And Fred Warner is just one of those players, man, and he's all out every snap. And, you know, they've had some down games with the 49ers defense because of injuries, but he's been a consistent force. And I don't even know if you saw it, but a few plays before that, he came down here on the goal line. Boom, they almost had a big goal line stand. Um, adding a man on the blitz packages, and he's definitely up there uh, for the top running up linebacker in the National Football League. I was going to say that was just you know that that, that goes so viral now. That's just back yeah. to you and Deshaun, just a normal tackle for the you know the early 2010 49ers. It is, you know, we <laughs> live out there, you know, cracking backs, <laughs> you know, and things that we did is is no longer allowed. But Fred Warner is one of those players. I believe that he's one of those old school players that could have played in that that realm of when you're able to, you know, hit, hit guys like that. So, you know, it's all about impact on the game and he's causing a major impact for the 49ers. It seems like there's a lot of talk and I talk it. it, I I want the, like what you view as the truth as it relates to Fred Warner, because, you know, I think for a couple of years, he's been talked about as clearly one of the best linebackers in the NFL, but it seems like within the last couple of seasons, there's been at least to some perceived kind of uh, a highs and lows for him. Has he been consistently great in your mind, or uh, has it been a little bit? I don't know if roller coaster is the word, but but has it been a little inconsistent? I wouldn't say that it's a roller coaster. I would say just like all players, if you're not locked in on the details each and every week, then you'll fail to get your job done, and inconsistencies can seep into your game. And just like the previous week versus Kansas City, I felt like there were some things that Fred Warner didn't do well. For example just overall awareness and that just goes for Bosa and it goes for all those guys. And it's the reason why Kansas city put up 44 points on them. It's like when you don't formationally recognize what's going on, when you don't realize why they're putting certain players in certain spots, when you're not situationally aware, third and 20, third and 11, what are they trying to do to us? Okay. When you're not situationally aware, for example, the first third down of that game, when the 49ers were up 10, nothing, it was a third and one. And going into camp, the first day of camp, you put in man install. And when you put in man install, you put in codes and options that can help you get through traffic and bunch routes and how to operate. And they got something that was a day one install. They aligned Kelsey outside, man to man, trying to identify the coverage. 
They motion him down into a three-man bunch, right, which means there's three guys in a cluster that are within four yards of each other, which means you have two other safeties playing with you. You guys should be easily communicating. Jimmy Ward should get up on the point, choke the man, be ultra-physical with him, not allow him to pick Tashawn Gibson. But there are calls within the defense that Tashawn Gibson and Traverius Ward, who is responsible for number one and Kelsey, on that spot when Jimmy Ward gets up, they're supposed to go tango in and out. Traverius Ward is supposed to play it off, jump down, intercept the ball, and run it back for a touchdown. That's day one install. They look like rookies on that play. It was third and one. They got all bunched up, tangled up. They got exactly what the offense wanted. And they got a 25-yard um, you know, gain out of that to Kelsey, and they go on to score a touchdown. That's day one install. All right, so they didn't operate at, the, at their, their optimum level, and Fred Warner was the catalyst to that and certain things that he did in that game. And I thought that last week he came on very strong. He was back to being a Fred Warner. So just like all players, yeah, there are inconsistent games, and he's shown that. But when they play at the top level, Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. Well, I, you know, your guys' defense obviously had a ton of talent, but you guys were just so, like, fundamentally sound, you know, talking about just yeah. stuff like that. It, like, there was elements of that Chiefs game – which I think will come back up when they play better teams and definitely in the playoffs of I'm all for the defensive line firing that one gap, get up the field. But there is a moment in time when it's like, well, this is the best screen caller in like the history of the league. And Andy, yeah. Reed. like, isn't this a time to maybe at halftime, just take one step and just kind of look around. And Absolutely. that's what I do wonder, like I'm all for, this is what we do. We hang our hat on. Cool. But also a game of football in the individual vacuum of the game. Do you have faith that like, specifically with the defensive line, that if they get into a game, because that is going to be how you take advantage of them, right? Quick screens, and when those guys are flying up, that they'll pivot off that? Absolutely. That's how you combat aggressive defensive lines. You go to the screen game. You give a perception at your pass setting. You invite them upfield. You olay them. Some of them fall on the ground. Some of them think they're going to go get a sack. They don't retrace their steps. The offensive line get out in front of defensive backs and linebackers with good positional blocking, and then you allow them to do the work. That's how they combat the 49ers pass rush, and I felt the same way. It's like, okay, fool me once on the goal line, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Anytime you were going to get that jet sweep, then you slow down. The linebackers help you. Jet sweep coming. That's day one install as well. Whenever a man has his hand in the ground and he can't see the motions and the shifts, the linebackers have to handle that. Bosa, Bosa, Ecubom, here it comes, here it comes, slow down. That's how you stop it. Not 100 miles per hour each and every play. The first time, okay, it happened fast. Then you go to the sideline, you correct it. There's only one way to do it. You set an edge to the defense. No, no edge, no chance. Okay, another play on there where Bosa lacked situational awareness was the McKinnon touchdown. It was like third and 11, no, third and 20-something. Okay, they have empty set. They have McKinnon on the edge of the line like he's going to block you. What should that be telling you? They're probably about to run a screen. They're going to invite me up the field. I've been overly aggressive all game, and they're probably going to run a screen behind me. He could have single-handedly stopped that play. I've seen guys do it. I've seen Vic Fangio say, hey, this is what they're going to do on third and 20. They don't trust the offensive line to be able to drop back there and go for it on third and 20. They're going to go for a quick screen and put themselves in position to get a field goal. If he plays that play correctly, it's shut down and held to, held to a field goal attempt. That goes third and 20. How, how often do people convert third and 20? It's got to be like 1%. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Chiefs against the Niners, though, is a different <laughs> percentage. Single-handedly slow down, stop. He'll ground the ball. They have to go for a field goal attempt. He went up the field too far and then kept going. Yeah. You see? So that's the stuff that I'm talking about. And it's like fundamental things, situational awareness, player awareness – personnel awareness will take you a long way. And that's what we were just aware of during the hardball years is we knew. For example, another one, last week, versus the L.A. Rams, and I feel like this was on the coaching staff. When a 48 um, linebacker, backup linebacker was in, it was in the red zone, Burks, they have a call where it's cover three. You move Cooper Cup in the number three position for a reason. You're showing cover three pre-snap. You're showing... Who's responsible for that backside zone? You're showing who's that hook player pre-snap with the, with the look. It's the easiest look in the world for Matthew Stafford. It's the easiest look in the world for a guy that's as intelligent as Cooper Cup is when it comes to deciphering defenses and leverages and things. So instead of keeping two safeties back to give a look, 
right? And let Owen Burke stay low to take the back to the flat. You pull the safety down to give the look. He knows exactly it's impossible for Owen Burks to stop that. You could put a defensive back there. You could put the top safety in the league in that position. You could put this top cornerback there. He's going to fail. Cooper Cup has too many options. They easily identified the, the defense before the snap, and it was like 100% that they were going to operate. He can either go up the field in the back of the end zone. He can stop on the goal line. If you play it perfectly, he can cross your face. It's too many options. The pass rush isn't there. You can't show the coverage like that. It's like taking candy from a baby. If you keep Hufunga back, right, and you keep Gibson with in depth, you can disguise it to where Hufunga stays back and takes number three coming over to him and Owen Burks take a back seeping out. That's an easy fix. You can't just rely on the look of the defense and the pass rush every time. Sometimes you have to tweak things. So, Dante, four bad quarters of defense against the Chiefs two bad quarters against the Rams. They hit halftime against the Rams, and you're trying to figure out, like, how are they going to fix this? And then they gave up 58 yards to the Rams in the second half, one catch to Cooper Cup when the game was, you know, 31 to 14. So did they make some – did they just fix it for two quarters, or did they make some big changes, you think, that – They just got back to fundamental football. That's all they did. They pass rush when they were supposed to pass rush. They didn't go upfield on running plays and open up major gaps. They were physical at the line of, at the line of scrimmage. They didn't get penalties to hurt themselves and put themselves in in bad positions at the DB, at the defensive back position. They kept their eyes on their work. When they went sprint out, they matched the sprint out and went to man principles. All they did was operate the basic principles within the defense and locked in and focus and play with effort. That's all they did. For the previous six quarters, they didn't do that. So, you know, and that's like every defense in the NFL. If you don't lock in on the certain principles and you don't identify things, react and play team overall and coaches involved with disguises and looks, you can get exposed. So I think that this is a good week. Um, The bye week is always a time to self-examination, self-evaluate, get to on the offensive side of the ball, see what are you running on first and second down? How are defenses viewing you? How can you change it up? What are you doing on third down? What personnel groupings are you heavy in? What do you need to balance out? Same for defense. And then individuals, you need to self-evaluate as well. The top quarterbacks in the league, they don't go based on just the defense and the look. They go based on mannerisms of players. How do you look when you play in cover two? How do you look when you blitzing, right? How do you look when you play man-to-man? How do you, what are we calling on third down? What are we calling on first and second down? What's the certain looks that we're given that teams can take advantage of? So it's time to self-evaluate, get ready for the second half of the season. I think that the bye week came at the perfect time for the 49ers. Well, definitely one reason is injuries. And uh, I guess simply put, why do you think the Kyle Shanahan teams get injured so much? Because they play so hard. Look at the DNA of this team. Look how they play on offense, defense, and special teams. You rarely ever see a player shy away from contact. Look at the way Debo Samuel play and George Kittle. I can go down the line and list all of those players that play 100 miles per hour each and every play. And it's inevitable that you're going to get injured when you play that type style of game. We didn't have a lot of injuries for our years with Harbaugh because I I truthfully believe that we overworked. Like he overworked us. Like during training camp, we would get up to 183 plays every person. And he would like, after practice, count them and be like, hey, man, we ran 183 plays today. The Seattle Seahawks, they went, they went uh, roller coaster riding or they took a day off. And he would like pride himself on that. Mm. He would pride himself on a lot of times right now in the NFL, it's about speed and taking reps off of the players. But when he talked about building callus, he meant it. Like there were guys, Justin Smith and Kaepernick and all these guys in there squatting 600, 500 pounds late in the season on a Monday after a Sunday game. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was a different mindset. So when we played that way, we were able to get up and feel strong late in the season because throughout the week, throughout the season, it was a progression and we would get to our peak progression when we were entering the playoffs. You understand what I'm saying? Now I think they're doing something where they're tapering off and 
all of this stuff. And I don't know if the body is able to handle the impact of the game because I don't think that the preparation is there. So I knew for a fact that when you got up and you went into the facility on a Monday or a Tuesday after a big game, after a physical game, you were going to see 17 out of those 22 starters in there really getting after it. And that's what it takes. I mean, this is my league-wide theory just in general, right? I mean, you go to these training camp practices now. Even Kyle, they hit for two days, then they're off for a day, and then they yeah. go in shorts and T-shirts. But it, he ain't alone, right? And then did you guys wear pads in practice as well during the season? I mean, these, no one yeah, wears early pads. In the season, early in the season, we would wear full pads. Um, I think we would go one day. Wednesday would be when you put your first and second down run in. So the defense, you got to have your, you got to have your stuff strapped up, buckled up. You're going to hit some guys. Boom. You want to feel that. You want to like get that jolt to get ready for the week. Now they don't do that. No. You see? And I think that's why the game is lacking. When you see so much bad football, it's because it's a lack of preparation and a lack of reps. Just a lack of repetition. Angles to the ball. Form tackling. Like you need that stuff. I understand what they're trying to do by taking impact off the players because of the concussions and all of that. But the product is going to continue to lack if they don't get more preparation and more reps, especially for the young guys. So, yeah, it's not good. But that's why the injuries, I think, exist for the 49ers is because they they play just a a physical style of football at all levels. I remember that um, I think it was a Sunday night game, the Niners at Patriots. It was pouring rain back in 2012. And I remember the stat after that game. I'm just looking at the box score. You had a forced fumble that day. But uh, I remember after the game, the box score was like Willis and Bowman. One of them played every snap but two, including special teams. The other one played every snap, including special teams. Absolutely. And then we all prided ourselves on that. Yeah, It was rare that I would come out of a game. It was rare that Deshaun Gosa would come out of a game. We had guys that were available and that were physical and when the game was over on Sunday, you were going to see these same individuals in the in the weight room, bright and early, working on their body, not taking days off. That's what it takes. I got a firsthand glimpse of what it takes to win a championship. We had three opportunities to win championships. And there's a protocol to everything that we did. And it was above and beyond what everybody else was willing to do in the league. It was harder than they were willing to practice in the league. We stood after as groups and put in time watching film and correcting things and making calls as a secondary and as a defense. And nobody had to tell us to do it. Football was our number one priority for three consecutive years. It was all focused, all football, and it was all individual driven. It wasn't really the coaches. So when you have a bunch of those players and they, they actually want to get better on a day-to-day basis, when you talk about 1% every time, I had a first-hand glimpse of seeing this from the amount of work that it takes to put in, man. Like when you see Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman have success on the field, it's because these guys are eating everything they're supposed to do. They're getting the amount of rest they're supposed to get. They're going above and beyond what they ask them to do in the weight room. The game really means something to them, and then it just comes out on Sunday. It's not just Sunday and get in front of the cameras and hope and 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 pray that you have a good game. It's every day, every week, every web, walkthroughs included, leverage of the defense, where you're supposed to be, hands where they're supposed to be, eyes where they're supposed to be, and it translates. So right now, the game is lacking because you don't really have that. You have individuals, but you don't have like teams full of those type of guys. Well, that is the one thing the Kyle Shanahan team <clears throat> does feel like they have, right? A lot of dudes that are yeah. pretty locked in and take football Absolutely. really seriously. And we saw on Sunday, I guess we've seen him now two weeks, but it feels like they added a dude that's wired, you know, that would have fit in definitely on your teams, and he fits in on these Kyle Shanahan teams. They they asked Kyle the other day about McCaffrey, and he's like, did you notice he like doesn't even celebrate really after he scored? Like, he's a very serious cat. Absolutely. And, well, I mean, just overall, what do you think of Sunday? And, I mean, what do you think this dude brings? I think that's what he brings to the locker room that nobody's really speaking about. It's the day-to-day protocol, individually, getting there before everybody else, leaving later, watching him operate. And it was like that for me when I first got to San Francisco. When I got there, I didn't really know what it meant to really be a pro, really, until I 
was on a practice field one day and I saw Patrick Willis bite on a play action fake to the left, tight end running wide open. And I don't know how he caught up to this guy and fought all the way through the whistle on one of the hottest days in training camp practice when most guys would just be like, man, my bad. I'm the best player on the team. I don't need to get over there. When I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, this is how it's supposed to go. And that's each and every play. So when your best players do that, man, you have a chance. And that's what Christian McCaffrey brings when he's in the locker room. You're going to see him go above and beyond on the practice field and the weight room and preparation and ice tub and massages and chiropractor and eating well and film study. And then it starts to matriculate throughout the team. And once you get so many of those different guys, you can have success each and every year. You just don't have to have guys like Trent Baalke that's going to mess it up. <laughs> so he didn't get an invite to the trip. Yeah, you, th- you understand? Before we you dive into training, you could get, you could keep it going. You don't have to have people getting away. Well, do you think he's been a little out of sight, out of mind? We know he makes a lot of money. He's had some moments, but to a lot of the guys on the night, it's not like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk have ever really seen him ball yeah. to do that on Sunday. Kind of his credibility goes skyrockets immediately. Yeah. Like this guy is elite. Yeah, it's like a myth, right? You hear about it, right? People whisper about it, and you just don't really believe it until you see it firsthand. You're like, oh, man, this guy's good. And it wasn't even just last week. It was the previous week before. You can see the amount of energy that the offense plays with when they know that he's getting the ball. It's because like, if we do our jobs, we know that something special can happen on each and every play. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play phenomenal from this point on. I truly believe it's because when you know on, on the third and seven. When he caught the ball underneath and he made a guy miss and made another guy miss, it's like, oh, man, we don't necessarily have to push the ball downfield. We got a bunch of guys that we could just really just let them just operate like that. So I think that's what he brings to this team. It's just that check down is just so vital. And Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing he always has that in his back pocket or a guy that can win underneath, create so much space. It's not like they can even touch him. They're not even close underneath. Um, it makes it a lot easier for the quarterback position as well. I thought the the touchdown he threw was so ballsy because it was third and two, and he easily could have mm-hmm. just checked it down to him, and then he would have been one-on-one in the flat for a first down. These guys have been together at the time 10 days. Like, how did Christian know and Jimmy both know we're not going to do the check down, I'm going to the end zone? Well, they have uh, scramble rules. And a lot of scramble rules, it's not just, okay, if the quarterback runs to the left, go to the left. If he goes to the right, go to the right. Is if you're short and he's coming to your way, go deep. And if you're deep, come short and create spacing for the other offensive players out there so that you don't run into each other. So that was just operating second level of the offense. Things break down, quarterback outside the pocket. Remember your rules. Deep, go short. Short, go deep. And he did a great job of operating the defensive back. He didn't execute like he was supposed to. He's supposed to automatically know, okay, I'm in the flat. Quarterback starts to scramble, recognize who's in my zone, take a man-to-man. Don't just sit there in the zone. So it was a good job of the 49ers executing second level of the offense. And there's a lack of of execution on the defensive back for the Los Angeles Rams. What was your take on the Jeff Wilson trade? I thought it was great. I thought that they, when I really, when they really asked me, I thought that they should have kept him because we've seen injuries. We've seen Christian McCaffrey get injured. You know, you just never know what can happen to you. Mitchell hasn't played since week one. You know, Mitchell hasn't played since week one. You don't know how he's really going to respond to his injuries. So it's very difficult. Um, But I thought it was fair for Jeff Wilson. He wanted more opportunities. He, he, he really kept this boat afloat for the last few weeks while they were dealing with injuries at that position. And he was what, somewhere around the top 10 and rushing big plays here and there to continue drivers for the 49ers to give them success on first and second down. So he's, he's, he's familiar with that system over there. He get to reunite with some guys, McDaniel and all of the guys that, you know, he, he, he started with in San Francisco and it's just a crowded backfield. I think that for individuals, you want them to be able to continue to play and continue their career and have success and you wish Jeff Wilson the best. He he put in the work, and he deserves it. So this team, they've, they, they've played in a lot of games that feel like must-win games over the last couple of years. But they win a must-win game, it felt like. They hit the bye. They get the Chargers coming up on Sunday night. Um, we know what the division looks like. The Seahawks are winning games. 
The Cardinals are never easy for the 49ers. The Cardinals beat them twice last year, once with a backup. <clears throat> so, you know, what's your outlook right now on the 49ers reg- the rest of this regular season? Well, I think when you look at their schedule and the Commanders and Seattle, Arizona twice, I think that when you look at it, you would think that most of the games should be favorable, favorable should go in their way. Um, and it's not to hurry and get back. The, the interior just stoutness, pass rush against the run is lacking. Um, I think that when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, I think the 49ers really have the number. It's all predicated on quick game. The 49ers can really out-muscle Seattle Seahawks. But, yeah, you're right. Geno Smith is number one in passer rating. He's not turning the ball over. You still have to worry about them. Arizona, I think when you have a mobile quarterback like um, uh, Kyle, I think that, you know, it's always a worry. And we've seen over the years – mobile quarterbacks just give the 49ers headaches even when they're supposed to win those games. Um, so I think you still have to worry about Arizona and being a divisional foe, understanding your DNA. Um, and then the Los Angeles Rams, they took care of them twice. I don't think they really have to worry about them ever. Uh, so I think that it, it really boils down to the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to boil down to the 49ers executing game plans on a weekly basis, uh, getting healthy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo taking a step up, not turning the ball over, getting Debo Samuel back and healthy, uh, and, and truly uh, getting Christian McCaffrey acclimated to this to this offense system. Because I still don't believe that he has everything. Because there's so much that he can do. You can even align him at the number one wide receiver, and if they match him up with any man coverage or a safety or you know, even a corner in some instances, and definitely a linebacker, you really just check fade. That's how that's how simple it is. So if you come out the huddle on first and second down, they try to match it with defensive backs out there, you really go to a run formation and you pound them because it's all willing blockers. If they come out in something that's a lot of big guys, you spread them out and you allow him to work the underneath because a lot of the linebackers in the league, they, they really can't cover. Um, you know, so I think that the sky's the limit for the 49ers as long as they can get some guys back healthy and they don't continue to lose guys to injury. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on prize picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey to league of legends and everything in between it's really simple to play you make your picks submit an entry in less than 60 seconds i'll do it at halftime of a basketball game and i also have some season long more or less picks on mlb homers you may remember i've got less on otani homers this year we'll see and at halftime of your next nba blowout game Just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, 
maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, one big picture thing with this team, I don't know if you saw, I mean, it was kind of going viral, the breakdown, but basically the Trey Lance trade helped lead to Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb, who I think today they just extended. You know, I mean, those three first-round picks. He obviously redshirted, and then he gets injured. So his career just has been to, you know, was slow because he needed some time, and then the injury, who knows how he's going to respond. The Jimmy dynamic is back in full force. Like, I guess what's your overall thoughts on just, you know, moving forward with the quarterback position? It all depends on how the season ends. If Jimmy Garoppolo can run off a bunch of wins, they can get into a great playoff positioning, enter the playoffs, be dominant, win the Super Bowl. I don't know how you can let them walk out of the building. Um, but right now, it looks like the 49ers lost that trade, just being honest, yeah. looking at what... Well, uh, today they did. I mean, there's no yeah, way... Yeah, those you know. picks produced, uh, the way that the Trey Lance era is going, especially with the injury. You never know how guys are going to bounce back from the injury even though I have no doubt that he'll be 100% healthy um, when, it's, when it's time. Uh, it looks like they lost that, but it all predicated on how Jimmy Garoppolo finishes this season and how he plays individually and, and what levels he can take this offense and ultimately this team to. Have you? What's your opinion of Trey to this point? Like, do you, Based on what we've seen, what are, your, what are your questions and what are the things you feel like, yeah, you've seen enough to know what? I think that... He has all the tools and the qualities to be a great quarterback. I think that when people talk about throwing the ball, it's, it, it's, it, it, it's so many things that make a great quarterback. And I think that pre-snap recognition can speed up that process. I think that they're so sophisticated with what defenses want to do to quarterbacks these days with the looks they give, depth perception, width, and vertically. Corners all looking the same. Nichols. Um, how to read body language and spacing and timing. It takes a while, but he has all the tools to become that. It's just about how much and how far are you willing to go to learn all of those things about the defensive side of the ball that's going to take you to the next level. So it ain't about going out and throwing the ball in a million miles an hour or one-on-ones and all of that. It's about, how much of the intricacies do you understand about defensive football and not just how they teach it to your own offense? How many questions are you asking the top level defensive coordinators and defensive back coaches and linebacker coaches and defensive line coaches? How, how, how much are you actually asking and retaining and able to retain when you go and take the field? That's the difference between Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, the top-tier quarterbacks and a lot of the other quarterbacks, they understand the intricacies of the defensive side of the ball. There's a reason why they want to get to the line of scrimmage and take as long as possible up there and and the hand signals and all that is because they can identify what you're playing to be able to attack the weakness of it. And if you just think you know and you know it from an offensive perspective, you don't know enough. So you have to know what the defense knows, and then you can take that next step. You know, one of the stories – I guess right when he got hurt, but it had kind of been brewing on the surface where there are veteran guys that wanted to go with Jimmy. And then when he got injured, you remember that reaction, the Seattle game. And clearly it, we don't talk about it as much anymore because he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's not apples to apples, but you guys went through with Alex and Cap. But Cap came in right away and was was awesome. 
Plus, Kaepernick had just played a lot of football in his life, right? Being a four-year starter at Nevada. This situation is kind of unique in itself. Kind of understandable from your position. If you're Fred Warren, I'm not trying to say it was these individual guys, but Fred, Debo, Trent, whatever, prime of their career trying to win now. They don't have time to, like, figure it out on the run, right? Man, the truth will set you free. Just look at those first few games and how the offense was operating with Trey Lance out there. And then look, after Jimmy got comfortable and had reps and practice, how the offense is looking now. It's night and day. It's night and day. So the film doesn't lie. The players and the energy that they play with, it doesn't lie. Their mannerisms after a bad throw or a late throw, they don't lie. So, you know, you don't have to tell me who said it. It's just I can watch the game and I can watch how the offense flows how the guys run their routes or they run there with confidence feeling like they're going to get the ball or are they like, I know I'm not going to get it. You see, it's a difference right now with Jimmy Garoppolo with the quick release and everything. They know they can get the ball. You see how Brandon Ayuk is so vibrant right now is because he knows that the timing is going to come out. Boom. He's going to get the ball and he's going to be able to do his thing. So I think that it, 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 the film doesn't lie. And uh, the, the right quarterback is out there. You mentioned uh, Vic Fangio earlier mm-hmm. now you know the the chiefs game maybe slowed things down on D'Amico's about to become a head coach but the second half of the rams game i think we're, we're back on track and whether it's this year or in the next couple of years it does seem like he's going to be on a lot of short lists here coming up maybe it's next year that he becomes a head coach do you think i mean vic's been around there's all every time the niners post harbaugh needed a coordinator vic's name would be around but he was a head coach and do you think Vic Fangio's coming back to be the Niners defensive coordinator? I think he should. I think he is. I think he could. I think he lives in the Bay Area. I think that uh, he's just waiting on his opportunity. I think I asked him, like, Vic, are you going to coach again? He said, yeah, I'm going to coach again next year. So all of those things are confirmed and they're true. So, you know, we'll see. I, I can't say that he's going to be the 49ers defensive coordinator, but I can say that he will be back. What about the scheme? Obviously, his scheme and what the Niners do, especially with the front, are pretty dramatically different. Yeah, they're dramatically different. Um, Right now, the 49ers are running a 4-3 scheme. It's really hard to disguise. So when I just talked about that Owen Burks, if if your defensive line isn't dominant that day, there's there's weaknesses in that scheme. Um, With a 3-4 scheme, it's balanced. So when you have five guys really at the line of scrimmage, two guys inside, two safeties, quarterbacks really can't tell. So when you can make guys understand what quarterbacks are looking for and they can slow down their reads and they can play with poise, it slow downs the quarterback internal clock. So you can take a guy off of somebody that's playing man-to-man just by your shoulders and your mannerisms in the deep half of the field. So if you can teach the guys that, it helps your corners, it helps your defensive line get to the quarterback, because they're confused now. It's like, oh, my coach told me this, but I, I can't wait this long. And then by the time that guy rotates to the middle of the field and you identify the coverage, the defensive line blasting them in the head. So that's what it. That's how it goes. So coverage, disguise, the small mannerisms, they all go into dominant defensive play. So this personnel would still work? Absolutely. This personnel will work. You have guys that can stand up on the edge like Bosa. Bosa would be a great outside three, four linebacker, just like his brother. You don't think he could just stand up, rush the quarterback the same way, drop sometimes and take a back to the flat? Absolutely. He can do that. And I think that Vic would be very creative with the way that he rushes them on third down or whoever's the defensive coordinator. Um, I think that Fred Warner can do exactly what Patrick Willis and those guys, him and Greenlaw can do exactly what Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman did at the at the internal linebackers, they can bench guys off of them and play two gaps. They can cover man to man. So there's no difference. Um, I think Ecubom, he can play with his hand up. Why can't he? Just give Kinlaw yeah. a new knee and put him over the center. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that internally you would probably have to do something with those bigger guys because when you have a 3-4, you need a bigger nose guy that can really control that center and that was two both of those a gaps but well Ken, kinlaw would be ideally perfect if he could just yeah but i think field. he's too linear too I think tall he's too linear too tall to be able to control he needs need somebody more small and small oh. that's why oh, guys like tall. yeah siragusa remember all oh. those guys who'd you, who'd you got glenn dorsey defense? is that who you guys we had no no we didn't have glenn dorsey we had um who did we have uh uh francois 
Gene oh, yeah. Francois, and we had um, the defensive ends was Justin Smith. And Ray McDonald. And Ray McDonald. See how big and stout yeah. those guys were? Um, so Kinlaw and, and Armstead be pretty good uh, five techniques. The I guy, uh, ooh, uh, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about. They had the hulaos and seven waga from, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was cock strong, about six one. Isaac about three. Isaac Sapawaga. Sapawaga, yeah. Yeah, he was about what six one, about three thirty five cock strong. Yeah, you understand how I many bench pressing six seven hundred pounds? That's the type of guy you need in the middle that can just hit guys and they're like, oh, you know. So, yeah, we had all the pieces that we needed. You know, were you shocked to see Harbaugh come back after everything that happened or just time heals all wounds? No, I think time heals all wounds. And he understand what we had was special. And, you know, disagreements can sometimes, you know, end the way that, that, that our, our reign ended. So I think he's over it. He's doing well at Michigan. They're paying him, they're paying him a shitload, so he shouldn't, worry. he shouldn't care. Why would he care? They give him fifteen million a year, ten million a year. He they tried care. to cut his pay a couple of years ago. He's come back strong. Yeah, for sure. So why you know, and he's gonna get another one. You see the Was way there, the Michigan's you know, playing. You know, it's a long time now since past. Do you ever remember a moment when Jim snapped at Jed York in a team meeting that only grown-ups no. were allowed? Did that was that a lie? You remember that story? Nah, that's a lie. That's a lie. Somebody made that up. He's been. Yeah, I don't remember that. He's been in Michigan now twice as long. He was the Niners coach. Crazy. Yeah, I know, right? But it's happened, you know. He go, he 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 finds a way to figure it out wherever he goes, you know. So, I mean, that's just a mark of a great head coach. You guys getting getting back in Columbus this year? <laughs> man, you already know that. You don't even have to ask that. Man, we're trying to man. Listen, we're trying to embarrass us for sure. Tuning up two weeks. Don't worry. You need to look at sweet as Marvin's kid is starting to ball. I was watching that man, last week. Man, and he's not even the best on the team. I know. You know, the, number, the top guy is just getting healthy. Uh, with Najiba. Yeah, Smith yeah. and Jigba. He yeah, he, one off he, in the Rose Bowl. Hey, yeah, don't worry. He'll he'll be 100% healthy for that one. That's <laughs> all he needs. Yeah, he'll be a first-round yeah. pick anyway. He don't need to rush back. Don't worry about the stats, buddy. You They already know. <laughs> Come on back for that Michigan one. Yeah, rip their heads off. We got some yeah. good games coming up next couple. We got Tennessee, Georgia. If for those, some people might be listening to this after that game. And then that game, I mean – Unbeatens. Yeah. Unbeatens. Yeah, it's going down. So, and w- one thing about that game, man, I- I've never been in a more intense week of preparation and getting ready for Michigan. Really? Man, I'm telling you, the coaches just turned to like total, like, it's like, dude, I mean, everything is so intense. Class is so intense. Practice, the weight room is so intense, all the way up into the kickoff. We have a clock on the weight room and the weight room that counts it down all the way to the second to where it's kickoff for Michigan. And it restarts as soon as the game ends. It has it all the way down to the second. So it's pretty cool, and it's it's very intense, man. Coaches' jobs are on the line. It's on. I asked Cam Hayward once if he hated like the Ravens or the Bengals combined anywhere near as much as he hated Michigan. He's like, bro, I don't even care that much. Yeah, it's not even remotely the same. He's bro. the hatred you guys have for each other, right? Duke, North Carolina. Like, I mean, it's just, and now that Michigan is, I don't want to say you're equal, but at least they proved last year they can beat you. That, right? I mean, that game feels like as good as. It feels like the best game of the year. To be man, honest. that was a fluke, man. They got you pretty stop, good, dude. man. They get one in the last 10 years and they want to talk about they back. They're not back. <laughs> We're going to put them right back where they need to be, you know, in a couple of weeks. But no, no, no. I don't think that just a normal everyday person could go through what the hell we getting ready for Michigan preparation. I mean, practice is so hard, dude. I mean, individual drills, it's like a little longer. And he's, <laughs> he's just like, dude, like, like, stop. You understand? Like, I mean, like, really, they like really run you into the ground in, in preparation for those games. So hopefully they backed off a little bit and realized that it's just another game. But I know that when Trussell, he, he was serious. He was serious in preparation for that. And, I, and that game's always, I mean, what would you say the average temperature is? I mean, he would degrees, turn into a different cold. person. Listen. If you go back and look at some of the, the clips from Trussell and you watch him like celebrating stuff, he's always like mild mannered. During that game, you could get pictures and, and like clips of him. 
And he looked like an evil little like gremlin. You ever see it? To where he like swinging and you see his face. It's like, this really means something. I'm telling you. Wasn't Mel Tucker your DB coach there? Yeah, he was my he was my DB coach there. They just had an unfortunate situation, yeah, man. Uh, you know, versus the Mich- University of Michigan. And I know that that's not what Mel is, is coaching over there. That's not what he's teaching. He's trying to develop young men that don't make these type of decisions and aren't angry young men and violent young men. So hopefully they can take care of that. I see a bunch of the guys are suspended, but it's deeper than just suspending them. Um, so I, I know that Mel and, and his staff will figure it out. Shouldn't they have a basic rule like if you got to go if that don't you're go going through the, the same tunnel, tunnel, same tunnel only one person goes through the tunnel at the same time? You know? Yeah, but sometimes they want to beef it up for the TV cameras yeah. and you know both teams getting at it. They don't <laughs> want it to go that far, but you just never know. The players are really emotionally charged up, and they'll take it to that level if somebody says something, a little spit going to your helmet. Then it's really it can really get dangerous. So yeah, I think that at this point, you know, they they are always. You know, they'll react afterwards and make it, oh, both teams can't cross in six minutes or seven yeah. minutes of each other or some rule. Do you know what's crazy looking back real quick before I let you go? you So your freshman year was 03, is that right, at Ohio State? Yeah, and I enrolled six months early. Okay, so you um, – Yeah, I was the second to ever do it. Remember Maurice Claret, he petitioned oh, yeah. to do it, and then I was the second. Now it's just common for the quarterbacks to, to graduate early. early, yeah. So yeah. you got there. How John Cooper, the coach at Ohio State, was there thirteen years, mm-hmm. beat Michigan twice. I know. How do you last thirteen years beating Michigan twice? Jason wins a lot of other. Uh, guys. You know, a lot of friends on the booster club and a lot of country club buddies. You're, you're saying Michigan owned Ohio State in the nineties? They like, went two, ten, and one under John Cooper against. Yeah, Michigan. and it was some real intense games. And it was always a big. Game. I remember being a kid and watching it like, man. Come on, David Boston. Come on, please. You had Eddie, you had Eddie George. Joe Germain. Joe Germain. <laughs> and all of those guys. I'm like, come Joe on. Joe Germain won a title. Did <laughs> yeah, Joe Germain win the all title? Those guys. Um, man, all of those guys I remember just sitting. Sean Springs. The linebackers. They had linebackers. Oh, the linebackers. I remember uh, um, big one. Katzenmeyer? Katzenmeyer. Meyer. Yeah, I Andy. remember just yeah, Andy. Shoulder pads. I remember, dude. I remember just watching all of those guys and just every Saturday, just looking like, man, that's pretty cool. And then to play there, it was like, holy shit, this is really happening, right? So it was an amazing experience. Even for kids from California, the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, and I mean. You know, he's long gone now, but Joe Paul and those Penn State teams, you know, I remember Sports Illustrated had LeVar. LeVar Arrington. Who, who was the other defensive end that went like he went LeVar to, went to? They were on the front cover. Like, he went God, to Cleveland. Yeah, I was like, these guys, who the uh, fuck's blocking these guys? Alignment. I forget. What's his name? He was a monster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a, I don't think he worked out in the pros, but, you know, him and LeVar on that front cover, it was like, Jesus. Yeah, a bunch of guys, man. I just remember it. Yeah, college football. My favorite player of all time was uh, Peter Ward. Mm. He was sweet. From Florida State. I remember those games. The Sugar Bowl and uh, uh, Bobby Bowden on the sideline. I remember, oh, I just couldn't wait to get home to watch those type of games. And I always wanted to play on those type of stages, man. It was just like you could see the cameras clicking. And it's like, you know, the best players just showed up at the best times. I remember Peter Ward. Just the amazing moves that he would put on and make it look so effortlessly. So yeah. Did you get did you get recruited? Did you get recruited by any of the Florida schools? Like Miami or Florida State? I got recruited by every school. (laughs) I had an offer from every school in America. I was the number one corner in the country coming out. And uh, I narrowed it down to five Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, University of Miami. That's when they had Sean Taylor and all of those guys. Um USC, I was supposed to go there with Reggie Bush and Lindell White and all of those guys. And then Ohio State, they were coming off the national championship, Claret, Mike Dawes, all the guys over there. So I narrowed it down to that. A quick story about that is I, co- I called Lloyd Carr last. I'm like, Coach, um, I made my decision. He's like, yep, so what What, what, you, what you decide? I'm going to Ohio State, Coach. Click, hung up on me. <laughs> 
hung up in my face. I'm 16 years old, coach. How you gonna hang up in my face? <laughs> oh, I thought you hung up. He hung up no, on you. He hung up on me. <laughs> like, why are you gonna hang up on me? I'm like, oh, okay, it's on now. Wow. So now you see why. It's we thought you were going to be like his next Charles Woodson, yeah, Ohio kid coming to Michigan. Dude, you've been manipulating me the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. How much you love me and going to take care of me and all of this. And you can't even say congratulations, good luck. I'll see you three times or whatever. You can't even say that. So that's BS. You see? So that's why it runs like deep like that. And every time I hit one of their players, quarterback something, I was trying to like, you know, put a little extra on it. So now you see. You ever say anything to him after games? No, I never talked to him ever again. I never <laughs> say anything to him. He saw me. I'm not shaking your hand, nothing. You hung up on me. No, that was disrespectful. And, you know, and it's actually like a, a proud moment in my life, though. Uh-huh. This is the day that I decided what college I'm going to. And you really, like, put a damper on it by just hanging up on me. Made you feel better about your decision, though. Yeah, it made me feel better about my decision. But I was still like, man, I still narrowed it down to Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. You understand? So you didn't like, have the hatred in your heart for the rivalry yet. You know, you're just a kid. I didn't have the hate. I didn't have the hatred yet. And guess what? I had Pierre Woods that was there. That was from my high school. A lot of guys I knew that were over there. Mario Manningham was going to commit over there. Yeah. I'd known him for a long time. Um, there was a, a linebacker from uh, Warren Harding. Uh, it was two of them. Sean Crable. He was on that team. It was a bunch of guys that I knew. So it was almost like Marlon Jackson. I looked up to him. Oh, yeah. Remember him? He played, played for the Colts. Coach. Yeah. Braylon Edwards. I knew him for a long time. So it was like, it was not always like set in stone, you know? So I narrowed it down to those two. <clears throat> and actually took a long time to make the decision. And when I call you to let you know, it's like, click. It's like, oh, man. Wow. That's kind of messed up. Why do you think an Ohio guy, I mean, you almost did it, would leave? Right, because Ohio State's like the Lakers or the Yankees, you know, like what? Yeah, and obviously, they were very a lot of you guys good at manipulating kids over there. <laughs> you know, they're just very good at manipulating. And you know, we're gonna take care of you. And we and we and we got this streak against against the Buckeyes and and this and this and this. And they they're gonna go to California and recruit guys and bring them in and put them over guys from Ohio. And you know, just selling you a bunch of BS. So you know, that's how they get guys. That's how they steal guys. They have to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, okay, you almost got me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. He got C. Wood back in the day, though. Yeah, he got C. Wood. It turned out well for him, though. Yeah, right? I and mean, it's all about individual decisions. There shouldn't be any pressure on kids if you want to go and play for the rival school. It's a great opportunity in your life. Both schools are great schools. But, you know, you just, you know, you, you always, I, I choose to go. I choose to go with my heart. I went with my heart, and it worked out well. For the for the people listening to this podcast, not watching it, let the record show that Dante is wearing red today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no blue. No blue. Buckeye, Buckeye red. Yeah. Dante, it's awesome having you on the show, man. Thank you for making time. We appreciate it. Oh, no doubt. Thanks, man. Anytime. Take it you easy, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dante. Right. All right. He was awesome. I mean, he's a phenomenal analyst. Dante Whitner is a phenomenal analyst. Really gives a shit. You've been around these guys a lot long. I mean, in terms of the analysts, I've never really been around them from a from a working standpoint. Clearly, yeah, there's when you used to do like the TV stuff in studio. You've been true, around. but I'm saying like for do a game like that. There is oh. a, a a standard and a preparation. Like it, it clearly seems like he takes it like he did his playing career. Which would you say is can be hit or miss with yeah. the people sitting next to you? Yeah. Do you remember we used to do the football hour? R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Rod Woodson. Rod was really uh, Rod. I think a lot like Dante, just intellectually curious guy. You know, yeah. he's just a smart guy. Yep. Uh, Dante, you just knew was tough. I remember Romo said that Rod wouldn't tackle. Remember, and they almost got in a fight. Remember that? Said yeah, that too. I remember. It became a very. I mean, didn't say. I don't think you can say the word pussy on air, but essentially call him a pussy on air. Rod Woodson. I don't know. Just one of the great DBs in the history of the league. Now, granted, he was a cover guy. But like Romo was serious, but then he was like, Rod, you weren't like lighting guys up. You were tackling them. And Rod was very offended and it, it almost got confrontational. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but my comp was more like, and I'm like, it was kind of a question because you've talked to Rod a lot more than I have. It was, although I know a guy that knows Rod pretty well and really likes him. But in terms of like the way they talk about, like they just, you know, Dante's not too high, too low. He's just telling you what he thinks. It, it, I get the similar cadence to their voice. 
Yeah, just they're more violent than just. I, although when you listen to Dante talk, like, yeah, I bet this guy could could light some people up just because he he's serious about it. But he's got you know he's obviously uh, easy to have some fun with too. But anyway, I just, I think he's a fantastic analyst, and I know you agree. So I, I really you know the the Ohio State Michigan. You know, this that? weekend, we're recording this on Thursday. I mean, the, the two SEC games are pretty sweet. That's probably the game of the year, I, I think, even more than Georgia-Tennessee. Like, that that game to me, Ohio State-Michigan, as long as they're undefeated, feels bigger than Georgia-Tennessee, and Georgia-Tennessee feels pretty big. I agree with you. Georgia-Tennessee is big in part because Tennessee's really good this year. Yeah, that's, that's true, too. Yeah. Like, there's I, historical I think, context. I think Ohio State-Michigan – is the most national rivalry that there probably is. Would you agree with that? You know, college basketball when we were younger was so big. It felt like Duke, North Carolina. Was yeah. Yeah. Pretty- that's the other one for sure. But I meant football. Cause I was thinking when he told the story about Lloyd hanging up on him, remember when coach K retired, but the season ended and they played North Carolina last game and they lost the game. And they did a ceremony, and he was so fucking mad. He could not hide it. He couldn't fake it. And then he apologized to everyone, and everyone's like, Coach, you're good, man. And he he he, he struggled to smile during the ceremony. He's lighting up his team. They're all sitting there on their chairs, just you know, miserable. I do wonder, like, there is just no way for this rivalry to mean as much to, to Ryan Day as it does Jim Harbaugh, right? And I'm not saying it doesn't mean a lot to Ryan Day, and he's inundated with it, but... There is like Lloyd Carr, I think Trestle, I think all the Ohio, Michigan guys. Like one thing that's unique he talked about was like Michigan over the years starts stealing Ohio guys. Mm-hmm. There's just such an interconnection of the two states and the, those two programs. Yeah. You don't yeah. think Ryan Day was focused on this when he was a quarterback linebacker at New Hampshire University? It's just not possible. I mean, Classic Jim Harbaugh. Quarterback played- linebacker, John. <laughs> Uh, I didn't want to no. say this because I really like Dante. I, I mean, I'm rooting for Michigan. I actually think they can win this game. They could, yeah. They they definitely could. They definitely could. Yeah, I think they will. I'm not picking them though. I'm picking. I, them. I think you, I am. I think Michigan? I am. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, can they can they ever just put that game at like seven o'clock at night, or does it have to be the morning kickoff? Seven o'clock, like Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, when's in the dark? You know. Oh, yeah, I know. They'd be like, Probably yeah, we don't really need to cold. get 20 million people to watch it. Yeah, as many people watch this game as watch the Niner game. Would you expect game. that if they're both undefeated to be the highest rated college football game of the year? I thought early on before the year that Notre Dame-Ohio State would be the highest rated game of the year. Um, I think it was pretty highly rated. I don't remember the number, but I don't. I remember thinking that it did not put up a number that would make it number one. And I think that number actually got topped by a game that, what did it get topped by? Maybe Tennessee, Alabama. I don't yeah, know. that game. That game's already been topped. What do you think? Uh, Sunday afternoon, round one, Niners hosting the Cowboys. Uh, playoffs, two thousand twenty-three, January. Yeah, I mean, if the Rams regular already could could line up, guy three versus six. I, I mean, mean why not thirty thirty-one million? That's yeah, going to be a lot. What do you think? Well, that remember we said the Packer game, Niner Packers. Or no, it was Niners Cowboys last year, Sunday afternoon, did 41. Oh, yeah, yeah. What am I thinking then? Yeah. Could it do 50? 50. Yeah. Sorry. I For some reason, I thought that game was on the Saturday last year. What was the Saturday game? The Rams game? The first Rams game? Uh, I don't the wild remember. card game? No, no, no. Sorry. It went Cowboys-Packers. I thought one of those games, the Packer game was on a Saturday. That's what it was. Yeah. Packer game was yeah. Saturday night. Remember? Yeah. yeah. That's right. So Monday uh, Rams Rams play the Cardinals. Remember on uh, Monday Monday night. <laughs> Don't the forget Rams. the Monday night uh, playoff game. Oh, the Monday night playoff game. Yeah, I thought you meant this Monday when we get treated to Saints Ravens. Would you do Niners Cowboys Monday night playoffs? Uh, don't don't you think you don't think Sunday would outrate that? I don't know. I, it feels be- like. Do you, does it feel? What, what like- would you rather have as a consumer businessman? Sunday afternoon, just one forty-five, or just Monday night football would be pretty sweet. Consumer businessman, Monday night football, but it feels like they put their biggest games on Sundays, right? Yeah, but consumer I, I, businessman, I'm not opposed to a Monday night 49er playoff game. That's, I'll, I'll put it on the record right now. 
one quick question for you, John. Will you be watching Raiders Jags on Sunday? I feel like uh, I will. Is that game in uh, China or London? Or oh, just a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you do you think the Raiders win? I don't know. It's at Jacksonville. Why would I think yeah. they win? It feels like you're asking me to predict that they will win. I, I'm not. I wouldn't predict that. They better, or it could get really, really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it, Mel. You, you, you hate to see it. You listen. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Enjoy Dante. Share it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later. Come on, Doug. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.